0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show today. We're coming to you from Dallas, Texas, with our friend, Mr. Wade Hodges. How are you, Wade? I'm doing great, Mr. Luke. How are you? I'm so
1: excited. I can't wait. Can we get this started? Can I do it? Can I ask? Do you want to? You have a very special announcement to make. Yes. And... I want you to do it right now.
0: That's well. you're on the podcast. So I can make the announcement. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm moving to Austin, Texas. That's my announcement. Oh, I am.
1: I was expecting something else. But what what were you expecting? No, no. Do tell you're moving to Austin, Texas to do what?
0: Yes, I am going to be uh, serving in church down there. What are you going to be serving the church? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully good sermons. <laughs> Hopefully I will serve them good sermons. I can't promise that, but that is the hope.
1: So this is a new job?
0: Yes. We're moving down to the Westover Hills Church down in Austin, Texas, and it happens, uh, yeah, it's happened in a few weeks. It just announced it, though. We're putting this out probably on a Sunday. The Westover Hills Church is announcing it just moments ago at their church and letting everyone know that I'm making the move.
1: Wow. Yes. After how many years at venture?
0: Um, I moved back seven years ago to start venture, and so it's been around uh, for a little over six years. Six years. And you and I, we've
1: we've talked about this whole process before throughout uh, your interview. Yes. And I remember I was with you. You were actually, with me the first time. Oh yes. You became aware that the preaching position down at west you kind of open. Yeah. Do you remember that do you remember where
0: we were i remember where we were do you remember what you said um i don't remember exactly the, where we were once you set it up if see if you remember we were in malibu yes we were in a car rental car no no we weren't in a we were in a mexican restaurant we were watching the cowboys play the saints oh yeah sunday right. night okay. tv
1: yeah maybe it was on the way home Okay. When you said I'm going to get that job. I didn't say that. That's exactly no, what you I said. didn't. I'm going to go get that job. No, that's that's
0: not at all true. What I said at that moment, we were sitting there talking that's funny. We were talking and I said, you know, my, I, my your
1: wife l- said go get that job. No, that's accurate.
0: that's not what happened at all. You're this is terrible. We were in the Mexican restaurant, and I'm going off for some reason about how much I'm grateful for my life. Job's going well. Family's doing good. Kids are doing good, which is more important, of course. Family and kids doing great. Job's good. Had this little fun side project of the podcast that's going well. I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my life. And then my phone buzzes, and it's my father-in-law saying, job's open. That's what happened. And then you said— I'm going to go. Get no, I didn't say that. That's not true at all. That's not true. I, at that moment, I started thinking there would eventually be a conversation. That why? Would take
1: place. Why did you know at that moment? I didn't know that, at that there was going
0: to be a conversation. I, <clears throat> well, as you know, when you are a young preacher or you used to be a young, are, do you count yourself as a young preacher? Anymore? No, not anymore. When, when did that threshold change where you're not a young preacher?
1: I think when I crossed over into the forties, I ceased to be a young preacher.
0: Well, I just turned 34. So I've got I'm, a few more years left. Yes, I'm already made it longer than Jesus did. You are. Congratulations. In fact, the, the word on the street is you are now one of the hot upcoming <laughs> preachers. No, no, no. You no, are no. one of the hottest, so, most sought after yeah, young preachers in yeah.
1: acapella churches of Christ.
0: Oh goodness, it is a Church of Christ church. That is the uh, the tradition that uh, this church is a part of, and. Um, yeah, at that, when, when that phone call, the text came through, I thought that you know, there would eventually be a conversation. Austin's a city I care about a whole lot. I like it a lot. My middle name, guess what, Wade? You know what it is? Austin. Austin, exactly. Yeah, I've had yes. a feeling. Yes, it is. Um, and so I, I love Austin. This church is a good church, and we've, uh, I've always had a great deal of respect for it. So when, uh, when that text message came in, I thought, okay, this is eventually going to be a conversation we're going to have.
1: And this is also the church— where your wife grew up right that's very true my wife
0: this is my in-laws are there Ooh, you're gonna be preaching to your in-laws yeah so i feel like i'm gonna lose one of the uh, big tricks in my bag i'm losing one of my main repertoire in-law jokes exactly do you know why the one reason jesus never told a mother-in-law joke no because he doesn't have one Oh, that's funny. That's the only reason. Is that your best in-law joke? No, that's your joke. Oh, okay. That's Got your it. joke. Got it. Got it. <laughs> that's your mother-in-law. I want
1: to be there when you launch your series on Song of Songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh, very funny. Very funny. I,
1: I actually preached a few years when my parents were in the same congregation. How did that go? You definitely keep them in mind when you're writing your sermons. Really? Yes, you do. So
0: you actually found yourself redacting your sermons because you thought, I can't say this with mom Yeah, and there Dad. were a few moments where I thought, ah, I
1: can't tell that story.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. So you didn't do your Song of Solomon series then? Was not about to.
1: <laughs> there were a few sermons where I actually, ver- actually ver- ver- verified, verified, verified that they, they weren't going to be there. Really? And then I... Okay. Is that what I need to do? Just text you my... You might want to do I hey, take the morning off. This, this is a good time to go check out a different church. You don't want to hear <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that won't happen anytime <laughs> soon, but um, yeah. But back to the process. You had a sense mm-hmm. that... I remember very well that night you had a sense. I, I will probably get an opportunity to have a conversation with this church.
0: And I, did you hope for that? I thought the conversation could happen. And okay. I was, um, yeah, I didn't know if they would or not. I didn't know the direction they wanted to go, all that stuff. But th- when that happened, there was interest that was, uh, burst inside of me. Yeah. Burst. Yeah. Pff, yeah. That's yeah. what happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, so I was, I was grateful that they, um, they called and they wanted to talk and, uh, all that, but um, I mean, it's a hard process. It wasn't like um, as soon as they they called, I knew this was the right thing for me. It was no, and it was several months. You found out the position was going to be open, and it was several
1: months before they actually called you and asked if you were interested in talking
0: about the yeah.
1: position. Right?
0: Well, I think about. It. I mean, this is the end of August right now, and that text message came in September, almost so, a uh, year ago. Yeah, exactly. Walk walk us through that process.
1: How does how does one go from I'm a church planter. I started this church from scratch, been doing this for six years. Mm -hmm. And now I am going to leave this church of, of my creation, certainly of, of your architecture. Yes. And I'm now going to venture no pun intended. See, that's a little too soon. All the way down I 35 from Denton to Austin and, and take a job with a church that is, In a lot of ways very different from the church you're leaving yeah
0: i didn't start that church
1: all right how do you do that first maybe just for the listeners how is venture different from westover how's westover different from venture
0: well obviously venture did not exist until we got there i would like to think that maybe it was turning around in someone's brain that they want to be a part of it but let's be honest there was no 501c3 until we got there westover is very much an established church been around for a while yeah how many years uh,
1: it's like 40. Like, like I mean, 40? is it or not? You're the new head honcho
0: down yeah. there. You need to know this I things. haven't started yet. I haven't gotten my new minister orientation yet. But it's like 40 years old. So it's been around for a while. And so that's obviously the biggest change. And I've uh, I've thought of the biggest differences. When you're a church planner. it's like you're on a jet ski. And you can turn real fast. You can kind of, you have to go. And the thing about a jet ski is they have to go fast. And uh, all of a sudden I'm going from that to a large established church, which is far closer to being like a barge than a jet ski. You can also lose control of a jet ski and totally
1: kill yourself.
0: Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about that? But a
1: barge, you can just run
0: over people on jet skis. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the uh, Mid Ohio Valley, and uh, so that was right on the Ohio River, and so our uh, economy was contingent upon barges. So it's they're, they're very important. They're, they have a huge responsibility, and so it's a different uh, it's a different kind of leadership that a, a church planner has. How are you going to manage
1: that? Because at Venture, you were the the head church planner, mm-hmm. large and in charge. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to, large. You, you wanted to make it happen, you could. And at an existing church in Westover is quite a bit larger than venture. Yes. Larger staff. Mm-hmm. There's more bureaucracy by its very nature. Hmm. How are you? I didn't know that. Going, I'm writing all this stuff down. I, how I didn't are you think going that. to negotiate the, the needed difference in leadership style from a smaller church plant to a larger, more established church.
0: Well, as a church winner, when in doubt you lead, that's the, the MO that my church planning coach told me, I don't know if you've ever heard that before you might have, but that's what I was told, uh, you know, going to an established church, my, my job is to be a part of a team and I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of a team. I, I like the staff they have there. I'm excited to work alongside them. And, uh, there's some really good elders that I'm excited to work with as well. So it's, it's different. It's not, I don't have to go out and recruit people to become leaders. they are already leaders there. And so I get to work alongside of them. That's the biggest difference is I don't, um, I don't have to try to get people to have ownership of something that didn't exist before a few years before they got there. Right now. It's like, these are people who have, you know, best vested interest in this church. And I'm, I'm excited to work alongside of them.
1: Don't you think also, because I've, I've got a background in church planting and also working with established churches. So I, I understand the differences a little bit in church planting. You're called to be much more of a generalist. You're in, in charge of a lot of different things. At a larger church, you're going to get to specialize mm-hmm. more. Yes. And what do you see yourself doing or focusing on at Westover when
0: you think about? Okay, my specialty is going to be. Yeah. Well, at, obviously, you know the big, the biggest part of my job is preaching, and. As a church planner, it's hard to allocate that same amount of time to the preaching act as you would at a church the size of Westover with multiple people on staff that are very gifted and competent to do yeah. the other things that I would have to do before. So yeah. I'm not having to pull a trailer before service. I'm not having to unload a trailer. Uh, I'm not having to make sure there's a weekly email that gets sent out. I'm not having to do a lot of those things. And so instead, I think a lot of that time can get uh, devoted to things that I'm, which I don't know about yet, but I think a lot of that is going to be able to be focused on the preaching since the majority of interaction I'll have with most people is on stage.
1: Is it fair to say that we can expect better sermons from you at Westover <laughs> than we got at Venture? <laughs> uh, I
0: don't that know. seems to be what you were just saying. I, I mean, that's hurtful, Wade. That is really, <laughs> that's really hurtful. Okay, ba- back to
1: this process. Okay.
0: back to the process.
1: How do you negotiate this discernment process? Do I stay? Do I go? I've got to give up certain things to go. To an established church. If I stay, I miss out on an opportunity perhaps mm. to work in a different environment. What were some of the, the key markers in your process? Some of the questions you were asking yourself as you and your wife were trying to decide, is this the right thing to do?
0: Yeah. I think I wanted the way God was supposed to work in my head is that you would get some telegram and say, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. But I never really got that luxury of, hey, here's an email from God saying this is exactly what you should do. Instead, for me, it was a process of trying to wrestle and like the like the apostle said in Acts, I think it was 15, they said it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to me, or, or to us. And so for me, a lot of it is just trying to figure out you know what seems to be the right thing there are moments where it seemed like the best thing for me to do was to, to stay and be uh continue to be a part of the church that uh that we started and there are moments that it seemed like it was the best thing for us to make this transition down to austin and you know ultimately i think what helped me is the sense that i knew that god was their either choice it's not like one was the right choice um that um, the other one had no good thing about it. It mm-hmm. was that both those were great choices. I, I think one of, w- one of our mutual friends said, Luke, you're, you're kind of in a Sophie's choice. You've got, but it's great options instead of bad options. And I'm not sure you can really take Holocaust metaphors and turn them around to make them positive. I never took that class. so said you're allowed to do that, but this person thought you could. Is that true? If he did it, I guess you can. Yeah. He used to work with you as Mullican. So, um, whatever. But it was, it was two great options. And, you know, for me, this uh, ultimately seemed like the right thing to do. And it was an honor that they would ask me and an honor for, for me to be able to be a part of it. Um, but, um, I think sometimes people think about you know, the Holy spirit and the way God works in these kind of discernment processes and expects you to have this like clear moment from God that says, this is exactly it. And if you pray enough that you'll have this clarity. And for me, it was, uh, you know, a lot of what Ortberg talked about in his book, um, all the places you go. Have you read that? Yep. Yeah. Good book. And you know, a lot of it is that I don't think God ever promised decisions to be easy and God promised to be with you in all things and God promised to be present in all things, but that doesn't remove the the tension that you feel when you're trying to wrestle through good options like I had. Did at any point, did you consult a magic eight ball like the one I'm holding in my hand right now? Uh, no, I didn't consult a magic eight. Do you use that for your discernment process? All the time. Really? In
1: fact, let me just check with the magic eight ball now. <laughs> He's literally shaking in a is, magic eight is ball. Is this Luke's move to Austin? Is that a good decision? Uh-oh. Let's just see.
0: Uh oh. It's too late. I've already signed the contract.
1: Ooh, that's not the answer we're looking for. Let's do it again. Is <laughs> Luke's
0: move to Austin going to be a good Uh-oh. decision? Uh oh. What is it saying? Again, let's. Never mind. Okay. So, so we're not looking too good on the old eight ball. I don't think the eight ball works. No. Okay, let me ask you a question. You've obviously left churches, mm-hmm. you've gone to new churches. Yep. When you when you've left mm-hmm. the churches, what was that experience like for you?
1: It's a it's a bittersweet experience. I've I've left churches where the situation was was pretty difficult. It was a hard ministry and I was pretty stressed and, and burdened. And it, at some points, overwhelmed. So the opportunity to leave some churches is actually quite a relief. And I yeah. think maybe it's going to get better. But at, and even as you think about leaving a difficult situation, you're still leaving people that you love, that you've invested in, that they've invested in you. And that was always the hard part. Yeah. Is there were there were always a handful of people that when I told them I'm going to be moving to a new place, going to a, a new church, moving to start a new church those were very hard conversations because yeah. I cared for them and they cared for me. Yeah. And it's always a nervous feeling because I hope they're supportive. I hope they don't throw a, a, a baked potato at me across the table. Yeah.
0: Well, at least it'd be baked. It'd be a little bit softer. When, when I told my elders, it was, uh, after church and I said, Hey, let's, let's come talk. And we never talk after church. It's always before church that we usually meet. And I was so, uncomfortable. I was so nervous about that. And they couldn't have been more gracious to me. Like everyone in my church, I talked to just about, uh, I tried to talk to as many of them as I could before I even announced it on, uh, on stage last Sunday. And you know, everyone was super gracious to me. And it reminded me of the, um, Barbara Brown Taylor quote where she was, she was just leaving her church and going to work at the college that I think she still works at right now. And she tells a story. I think the book was entitled leaving church where she has this, uh, young priest that she works with who he's put in jeopardy because of her making this decision. Cause if she leaves and all of a sudden he doesn't have a boss and they might appoint someone who doesn't want him there or whatever. And she tells that he was so gracious to him. And she said this line about grace is when you have a key, when you choose to unlock it instead of locking it. And I felt a whole lot of grace from from my friends and the people I do church with or I have done church with in the past uh, because every one of them was just gracious to me. And they could have been upset and said, how dare you? How could you leave? But they all were supportive and encouraging. And it's almost like you, you when you like break up with someone, you want them to be like a rude jerk to you. Like right. I broke up with a girl one time and she ran into the back of my car with her car. And I was like. That was a great decision to break up with.
1: Yeah.
0: I knew I should have broken up, but I mean, that was maybe,
1: maybe they're glad to see you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. No one, honestly though, no one has given you any pushback or said, help me understand, or how could you do this to us? No. Do you worry about that at all? (laughs) As far as the perception, because, you know, to put it on the table, you're leaving a, a smaller church plant. Mm hmm. With what seventy five people is that fair? We'll just say hundred people. All right, that's less nice than a hundred and... people. We'll say hundred. And you're going to a church that
0: has what? I haven't actually counted the total people. At, at least a thousand. Yeah, I th- twelve fifteen hundred. depending on who you ask. Okay, but I haven't counted myself. All right, so
1: you're leaving a church that's a hundred or less <laughs> yeah. for a church that's uh, clearly more than a thousand. Know... <laughs> okay. Here's here's the I'm question. Right. No, right. and I do you have any concern? about what other people who are watching it from afar not people who are a part of venture or part of Westover, but other people preaching friends your peers
0: (laughs) should i have should i be concerned about that because i'm not concerned concerned? about what other people are saying behind you. no i don't (laughs) know i i talked to a buddy of mine paul from uh he's been on the podcast before he's from sydney and i you know i told him you know the process and he goes what you're leaving the church you started that is such an american thing we would never do that in australia and i was like thanks paul Appreciate that. No, Thanks so. no need to talk to him again for Yeah, a while. he's not coming back on the
1: podcast. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a preacher or pastor when they're called to a different church,
0: they're actually called to a
1: smaller church that pays less? Okay.
0: No, no, no. This, that's, okay. First of all, this isn't the first chance I had to leave the church that I started. And there have been multiple times that I could have left the church I'm a part of to go to a bigger church. And I've. this is the first conversation I've ever even took. So it's not like I just jumped ship the first time a big church called me. I know that I just want your listeners to know that they don't.
1: Thank you, Wade. What was it though? If, if there were other opportunities in the past that, that weren't tempting to you, what was it besides some of the things you already mentioned? There's some connections there, but as you got into the conversation and you're, you're talking to the leadership down there, what was it that drew you in that direction?
0: Well, part of the reason I even uh, entertained the conversation was because I had respect and admiration for people in leadership at the church to begin with. And so it wasn't like I was building a relationship from this, from the ground up. This was something that I already had a relationship. I already had trust with some of these people. And so that's why it started. And uh, a big part of it is the fact that they have a compelling vision for where they want to go and who they want to be. And I'm excited to be a part of that vision. And that's what was the appealing thing for me is I, I like the direction that the leadership of this church is wanting to go. And I can see myself um, being a part of that. And I'm excited about that. And it's also Austin. It's a, it's a great city that Austin's I can a great. I love Austin. You, I lived in Austin for
1: three years. You did. I'm jealous.
0: You did live in Austin for going to
1: Austin. You said it was an up and down experience that as you were going through the process, some days you felt really good about moving going other days there were hesitations Mm -hmm. what was that like and how do you manage that roller coaster of emotion do i leave do i go do i stay Mm -hmm. it feels great today i'm not sure
0: tomorrow yeah how
1: is how eventually do you to get to a place of peace well
0: the main way i managed it was eating a lot of ice cream and pizza that really helped a whole lot no but seriously you've you written a couple of books on that. I mean, what uh before you go. Right. When to leave?
1: When to leave and before you go. Two, yeah. Two books for pastors in transition.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I talked to you a whole lot about that and yeah. I feel like uh, I remember reading those books when you put those ebooks out what 5 years ago? Probably has been that. And yeah, it seemed like that. you were giving me all that same information that I had read half a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah, because you really don't know.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. You can't you can't take the chance out of life. Ecclesiastes 9:11 mm-hmm. says time and chance happen to them all.
0: The the race is not always to the yeah. swift, the is not always to the strong. And,
1: and that's one of my favorite little nuggets of wisdom that you can do all your homework, you can plan, you can prepare, you can feel like you're making a great decision, but then once you decide and you move forward, you have no idea what other factors are going to show up that complicate the decision you just made, yeah. make things better, make things worse. One example I give to ministers that I talk to is there's usually one person, an elder or another staff member who recruits you. And you think, I really want to go to this church and work with this person. And then you get there, and six months later, they're struck by lightning, completely taken off the table, and now the person you most wanted to work with is gone. Time and chance happened to them all. So if you go to a church because a certain person yeah. is there, there's no guarantee you they're going to stay.
0: You know what's funny is the chairman of the search committee has already left the church. There you go. <laughs> well, he was obviously happy with the decision the search <laughs> committee made. No, he had already taken a job, and it was, it was already scheduled for this to go. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's— Ultimately, you make a decision, and you wrestle with all the options. And I think for me, I felt like I was able to make a good decision when I was aware of what I thought would be the struggles of both situations. Yeah. And I could put on the table, this is what the, the work is I'm, for me to stay. This is the work I'm going to go through if I'm going to go. And I, I think once I understood exactly the game plan that I'd be playing on each each option, then I could make a choice. And once I did, um, I, I think ultimately like the God card in this is that – you've made a decision. God is in that decision with you and there's no reason to second guess it. You've made a decision. You trusted this is the right one. And now you trust that God is going to be in the process, whatever it looks like going forward.
1: Yeah. If you can, if you trust God, you can trust your decisions at some, at some point. It's sort of like when Martin Luther said, love God with everything you have and then do whatever you want. That if, if you've devoted yourself to God and you're trying to discern and you're trying to listen at some point, you have to trust that. And then trust your decision yeah. otherwise I think you're just eating up with anxiety all the time
0: and, and you never find peace yeah well what happens to venture from this point on do you know it's a good question I mean this is we're recording this um, just five days after it was announced at our church um, and so now they're in the process of discerning determining what the what the next step looks like for them and ultimately in a you know church plant, a young church you know, the leadership can't make that decision on their own it has to be ultimately a group. Group decision. Is it hard to watch oh, a to... church that you have been so
1: <clears throat> much a part of, and early on you were making all the decisions? Is it hard to now step back and the future of that church is in the hands
0: of someone else? Yes, I it's... was. I was talking to <laughs> uh, both my elders and separate calls on the way actually over here and listening to them talk about it. It made me depressed. Not that the decisions they were making were bad. It was just this isn't me anymore. Like it's not, and I don't know what to to do. And that ownership
1: isn't there anymore.
0: It's, it's weird. It just went all of a sudden I'm out of the room and I, I can't do anything. I feel like I'm, uh, you know, like a parent who dropped their kids off at summer camp. It's like, I, I'm not there anymore. What, right. How are they going to do anything without me? But they'll uh, do just fine. Exactly. And ultimately that's, um, you know, there's that Acts 20 thing about, you know, Paul talking to the elders at, I guess, Ephesus. And he says, I, I feel compelled to go somewhere else. And, you know, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do at this point. I've already made a decision. So I feel like this is where I'm going. And I, you know, I trust that God is bigger than me in this, this church. Um, you know, whatever God's going to do, it's, you know. Right. I'm sure another question that
1: your podcast listeners have right now is how does this new job, how's it going to affect
0: the podcast? Are, are you still going to be newsworthy? I, I hope so. I, no, no, no. Yeah, the plan is for the podcast to still go on. It's okay. been, uh, people might have guessed, I've been a little bit distracted over the last few weeks during this process. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get down there. I'll, I'll be moving over the next, I think, uh, the 21st of September is my first week down there. And once we get all settled and, and moved in, um, I expect things to go back to normal. I'm still going to try to put out one a week, uh, even while I'm moving. But uh, yeah, it's going to, the plan is for it to, Keep on going.
1: Do you think it'll be harder to do one a week given the rigors of a job, new job and moving and, and even probably at a bigger church having broader responsibilities in some ways.
0: Yeah. More meetings. there's, There's, there's more meetings, but there's less, I don't have to, uh, you know, make sure the bulletin is printed every week and I don't have to do a lot of stuff that I'm currently doing right now. So I I plan, I I don't think at this point, the amount of work required to keep the podcast going would be something that I couldn't do at this new position and the church is behind it. They're all supportive of what I've done and the podcast. So do do you think as the church was getting to know you, do
1: you think the podcast was helpful in that as they heard you interview guests? How could it not be helpful?
0: think so. How could it not be helpful? Wade? I don't know. What do you mean by that? I'm uh, just asking a question. Oh, that's a terrible question. No, of course. Hey, I would yeah, love I'm it. not Scott McKnight. <laughs> <laughs> funny joke. Funny joke. It'll be. No, I, I'm sure that it let them see a different side. And obviously I joke around here more. And my uh, persona on a podcast is different than in. A you had venue. some people ask questions about
1: that, didn't you? That is your persona on the podcast. Is that who you are?
0: All yeah, the time? yeah, Yeah. And I've. I was even having lunch with a friend uh, a couple of days ago who I got. Uh, uh, he listened to the podcast. I don't really know him that well. But first time we had lunch together and he's making a comment about how uh, I, <laughs> I joke around with my guests and, and confidently poke fun at them or whatever. And like I would never do that with a normal person sitting at lunch with them. But that's uh, that's part of the podcast, and it's part of that medium and the genre and all that. Uh, and so, if if you're not familiar with the podcast or how some of the internet works, then yeah, it's going to come across. You said before a, you play a character on the podcast. To, yeah, some, yes, definitely. This is not really who you are. Well, right this is me. But there are times that I'm joking around and just trying to make it more entertaining and, and accessible to people. And of course, if you don't get sarcasm, then. Um, this might not go over well. So the more funny, entertaining, sarcastic parts of the
1: podcast are not really you. <laughs> is that what you're saying?
0: No, that's not what I'm saying at all, Wade. This right here, this sort of banter that you're yeah, doing right this
1: now. Is neither, yeah, who is this? Are, would you
0: do that in, the, in a sermon? No, because I don't talk to people in my sermon. I don't interview
1: people in my sermon.
0: But neither
1: do you. That's... I like what Jason Whitlock says about his tweets versus his columns. Everybody's always blasting him because some of his tweets are not not journalistic. He's Mm -hmm. sharing opinions and not evidence-based. And he always says, enjoy my tweets, judge my columns. Because that's where he's putting all of his thought and his effort into a Mm well-reasoned discourse in his columns. I would say it's the same thing. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah. Judge your sermons. And man, we are looking forward <laughs> to getting the Westover podcast and judging some of your sermons. Thank you for can't it. wait.
0: Well, that is so sweet of you to want to judge me like that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, the podcast will still go on. It'll be fun. And instead of having my daughters interrupting, it'll be the youth ministers interrupting. I hope you still have your daughters interrupt. That's cute. You like that? Even you? Yes. Hard hearted Wade still yes, enjoys I do. that? Do you enjoy have it. a soft spot for that?
1: I enjoy it. I mm-hmm. enjoy it and it always reminds me that someday you'll have boys
0: wanting to interrupt your daughters. That's not funny at all. <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny at all. Uh that is a whole different podcast for a whole different time. Yeah, we'll
1: see if you're still doing the podcast in ten years. I have a whole different set of questions oh, I want geez. to ask you.
0: My oldest daughter, she's seven now. She'll be seventeen, 17. and ten. That's terrifying. Can't
1: wait for that episode. Oh goodness.
0: Yeah, let's not. I don't want to go down that road. Uh, that's I. I love little having my little girls. I'm not excited about. No. Yeah. Well, I'm sure some folks from venture are going
1: to listen to this episode. Anything you want to say to them before we sign off?
0: No, I uh, uh, made a fool of myself crying like a small child last week on stage, and I think that's. I'm. I'm not going to do that right here. I'm sure there are some Westover folks that are listening. Anything you want to say to them? Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. I'll say in a few weeks. What do you want want me to say? (laughs) I'm giving you a chance chance
1: to already establish your leadership credibility. Declare some key (laughs) tenets of your platform. Make some promises that there's
0: no way you can keep.
1: Um, Just giving you the opportunity to be a leader in America. What I'm going to
0: do is I'm going to lower taxes. I'm going to pay teachers more. And we're going to fix the economy. And preach good sermons. And preach good sermons. Uh, yeah, that's, we'll, we'll see about if that. If you can only do one of those, they'll be happy. <laughs> Which would they choose? Teacher salary? I think they want the sermons. The sermons. Okay. Well, I'm going to go start writing those sermons right now since you put so much pressure on me to preach good sermons. What's your advice as someone who's been church planner and then you went to an established church besides giving up your Vibram five finger shoes, what's the biggest suggestion? Are you going to have to change your wardrobe? Wow. Why would you talk about my wardrobe? I'm just asking. You wear a suit and Jean, tie. I,
1: I'm not, a, not always a tie, but yes, I do dress you up. You suit up. I suit up. Yeah, that's... It's a missional move. For Highland Park, Dallas. It's the way I connect with my peeps in Dallas. Yeah. What about you? I'm not you, living you, in you Dallas. You normally... Yeah, but you'd normally preach in jeans and a t-shirt?
0: That's... Yes, usually pants yes. and a shirt. Is that what you'll be rocking down at Westover? I don't know what I... Jeans I and a t-shirt? I don't have my outfit picked out. church planner outfit? I don't... First of all sandals you preach in sandals I don't, I don't wear sandals ever no i don't do that anymore i'm wearing them right now but i'm not preaching you don't even have shoes on you have, have you ever preached in sandals yes years ago okay but but, I, but that won't happen in austin well no i'm because i don't wear jeans and sandals anymore i've i've moved past that stage oh, of my life you've grown up i don't think Look I've, at you. <laughs> i'm 34 i'm a grown man <laughs> so no advice besides wear take your time preach good
1: sermons Establish your credibility in the way you you communicate and the way you handle scripture and take your time to get to know people. Okay. And if there's a ladies Bible class that you can jump in and teach, jump in and teach it. Okay. Especially if it's comprised of some of the older ladies in the congregation, because if you can make friends with the older ladies Mm. and if you can become the preacher, the older ladies and the ladies Bible class
0: love, you have discovered the keys to the kingdom. You know that my first church in Moran, Texas, when I was just an 18-year-old baby preacher, was run by what would be considered a ladies' Bible class in some ways. Audrey and Mildred basically ran that church, and they uh, they were my first bosses. They were uh, my youngest daughters named after Audrey. So um, that was some of my best mem- memories of ministry is— uh, Doing a Bible class where Audrey and Mildred, and this is like an old, you know, West Texas church that's 100 and something years old, wooden uh, wooden seats, wooden floor. 100 people can fit in that room, and there's like four people there, but Audrey and Mildred have their own rows. They don't sit next to each other, and they talk back and forth without turning their heads and looking at each other. It was so good, so good. So if it's anything like that, I'm down for that. It sounds great. It sounds like a blast. That's what you should do. All right, done. We'll make that happen. Wait. It's good talking with you. Great to talk with you. Congratulations. Well done. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norswell. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.